0: Okay, Warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird.
1: Hey, Warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah.
0: Yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. We are so excited today to be talking with Elle Celine, and she is a mental health warrior and musician who shares her borderline personality disorder journey to break the stigma. But she also has made news when she became the first woman in history to compete in the Miss Great Britain pageant wearing no makeup. We're chatting with her today to hear her story and to amplify her voice. Welcome, Elle hi thank you so much for having me really appreciate it we are so excited to talk to you and so excited to hear your story yes and i do i just have to say for our our american listeners i hope you got the goosies like i did when she starts talking you get you get a whole hour of that
2: (laughs) oh no it's not a good thing well (laughs) yeah but for people in the uk they'll be like oh shut up up, (laughs) but absolutely if you know we were just saying before we press record that in the uk personally for me i think the american accent is beautiful and we were saying vice versa that, yeah mm. exactly so you're just like but for the british accent i'm like oh, i've had enough of it <laughs> 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 I've had absolutely enough of it but when i went out to the us uh, when i was quite a lot younger went to colorado and everyone was like oh my god you know the queen and i was like yeah i have two the <laughs> and they believed me and i was like no no i don't know the queen i do not know her she's
1: not my mate and those are Americans, yeah. right there in a nutshell.
2: It was so good. It was like, uh, do, you have, do you have cups of tea with the Queen? And I'm like, I do not. Every um, yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was. It was great. And I was the opposite. I love. I love the. I love the American accent. So. Here we are. It's lovely to be here and and chatting to you about my story. Thank you
0: again for having me. And we are so thankful too, that you are open to sharing your experiences so that people can better understand BPD because I think that's a diagnosis that has so much mystery surrounding it. I don't think that we know enough about it as a society, especially in America. I think that that mystery can result in some misplaced fear. So absolutely. We are so thankful that you're here to talk to us. And can you tell us how you got here and why you decided to speak up? So,
2: Growing up, I've always known there was something different about me. I've, I'm neurodivergent. BPD is part of the neurodivergent family. And I've always been quite quirky. And this... And I've when I was younger in school, I was picked on for that. Um, when I was in school, um, I was brought up in Greece. I was picked on for it there. And I was also picked... Uh, picked on in the uk when i moved to the uk to go to school bpd can come from various different things it can come from trauma it can come from it could be from hereditary or it could be from abandonment or lack of attachment so i've had two of those i've been i was adopted uh, from romania when i was one and the lack of attachment i had as a child clearly made a my brain behave differently and bpd is a behavioral disorder it's not chemical and the other is childhood trauma so unfortunately i experienced sexual assault when i was at school and I was quite young, and I believe that that's part of it. And then when I was a teenager as well, I did experience again, unfortunately, sexual assault in high school. And that again would have ma- would have manifested into BPD. I believe I've had BPD for a while, but unfortunately BPD can't be diagnosed until you get to a certain age because it can be mistaken for hormones, especially in young women, because it's very, the emo- you know, like bipolar, this is bipolar but fast forwarded so i could be feeling really great one minute and then 10 minutes later i can be in bed and not be able to move because my mental health is so bad and something's triggered me or i've seen something or i've heard a noise or smelt a smell that triggers me into my trauma and that's me done i'm aware of my triggers a lot more than i was Um, if i go back to when i was in school i wasn't and i did turn to drugs and alcohol to try and suppress the emotion and mask the reality and unfortunately when i was i've got to think now 17 i was asked to leave the school because i was abusing drugs and alcohol the school never actually investigated what was wrong they didn't Ah, of course (laughs) yep and they never sort of intervened and asked me what was wrong and part of that was also victim blaming you know the woman it's it's always the woman's fault you know the guy got away with it he got to finish his studies i didn't i got asked to leave and i was clearly showing signs of a child or a teenager that needed help and there was no intervention and that in turn i believe probably made my bpd worse because it's fear of abandonment it's really strong emotions and strong sense of lack of self-worth that's something else that i do suffer with sometimes and also uh, that, that fear of abandonment that everyone's going to leave me
0: i do get that as well celebrities they're just like us right and that's all well and good when it comes to grocery store trips and who's wearing what but What about when it comes to mental illness? When a famous person or notorious person is labeled with a certain illness or disorder, what does that do to those of us trying to live our lives with everyone else? What about when that notorious person does something unthinkable? Are we then lumped in with these horrific people? Elle handles it with humor and grace, and in her case, it gives us hope. And I think the media and movies have kind of like portrayed
2: us in these into these roles of like we're the monster, like we will eat you if you leave us. Like I heard the other day that Jeffrey Dahmer also had BPD. Trust me, I'm not going to eat eat you. Like I no, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Unfortunately, the media has you know, and and the guy did have BPD. However, he was a cannibal not because he had BPD, but because he was a cannibal. And they have they are these trends at the moment, like with uh, Amber Heard, you had you heard, pardon the bun. um, that she had, you <laughs> as well. And there's all this like stigma, oh my God, she was so cruel to him. She did this, she did that. And again, trust me when I say not everyone is like that. And I think there is a big stigma around mental health issues and how mental health is portrayed and growing up with, for me, again, like I said, was quite difficult just due to my experiences coming to, uh, Guilford Guildford where I'm at, where I'm at now, sorry. Uh, I went to music college and I've always had a love for music always and that's been something that's kind of grounded me and made me feel safe it's always been a constant and with someone with BPD we always want a constant whether that be a person or a a, an animal or a thing that we do that's like that keeps us feeling safe because that's at the end of the day in a nutshell people with BPD that's what we want we just want to feel safe due to the trauma it's a reaction to our trauma that we've we've had as kids because normally it comes from childhood trauma the development of the brain isn't the same as somebody who doesn't have BPD where we might have similar traits there are also 265 different combinations of BPD so wow. as i said me and jeff Dahmer, we've both got BPD however we have different traits of the, of the of the condition and our makeup and our upbringing will also make a difference i was lucky i did have a very privileged upbringing my mum She's a hero, like she would do anything for me. She's always supporting. She'll probably be watching this podcast later. Um, My dad, unfortunately, he passed away when I was very young, um, 21. And, but I was lucky when I was younger to have that family unit. Like I was always, you know, I have got a brother as well and I was always very lucky. Where my starting life was quite traumatic, being adopted and being an orphan for, for a year. I then was given the opportunity and I'm so grateful for the opportunities that I've had. I wouldn't be here talking to you guys today if it wasn't for my mom and my dad who adopted me and brought me in uh, to Greece. This is where I grew up. I grew up on the Greek island of Skiathos, Mamma Mia Island, for those who don't know it. And then I moved to the UK when I was 10 to attend boarding school.
1: Not only did Elle have abandonment, sexual assault and grief, but then there was a move to a new country where she didn't look like everyone else and the bullying was relentless.
2: When I was in Greece, everything was quite fun, like it was quite idyllic. I was on the beach a lot, it was it was cool. When I moved to the UK, that's when things started. I've got a little bit darker hair, I've got, how do I say, it, more body hair maybe than someone with fairer skin. And when, when I went to the UK, a lot of the young kids were there at the time, because I was there quite young, there was not very many international kids at that point. And it was this really sheltered town in Wiltshire that I went to. And how do I say, it, a lot of the kids were quite clean cut and I just wasn't. In personality and in appearance, I was not. Yeah. And I was picked on for that. So I was picked on for my arm hair. I was picked on for my, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know that you can plug and you shouldn't have to. And, you know, it, there's, there's, I was bullied for that as well. And as I said before, unfortunately I did experience some sexual assault as well because I'd already come from a vulnerable, like a vulnerable, I was already a vulnerable person and I was portraying that. And unfortunately I was, I was a victim to that. Um, I'm currently in trauma therapy as well to get the support. And I'm more than happy to talk about it because it is sharing that story. And it's also... I don't want my abusers to silence me or feel like they've won. Like, whenever I talk about it, I feel like that's my power and I'm not going to run away from that. They've taken my past. I'm not going to let them take my future. (laughs) Absolutely not. I love that. Thanks. (laughs) There might be someone listening today who goes, oh, my God, I resonate with this person.
0: Elle presented symptoms early in life. But as we all know, misdiagnosis is common, especially when symptoms of so many different mental illnesses can overlap.
2: Then I got the diagnosis when I was uh, 29, so in 2019, so very late in life. I was living with BPD for such a long time without the support or help. When I was in school, people the, the teachers thought I of had ADHD, I didn't. And there was, like I said, ADHD is neurodivergent as well, so they weren't far off. However, I didn't. And I think they put kids in boxes a lot of the time, you know, autism, ADHD, all these stigmatized disorders, not even disorders, conditions that make us feel different. And then we are put in different boxes by teachers in school. Hopefully it's not like that now. I'm pretty sure it kind of is still, unfortunately, but there is a lot more safeguarding and a lot more going on, especially in the UK. We are learning and we
1: are trying now, I think, to move forward from that. However, there is still this stigma around these disorders. Not everything about the pandemic was bad. It forced many of us to slow down. For Elle, it gave her the time and space to research and learn about her new diagnosis.
2: As I said, I was only diagnosed a few years ago, just before lockdown. And I have to say the pandemic really helped me learn about my diagnosis and learn about my triggers. I mean, I buried for a very long time everything that happened to me. I was like avoiding it. at all costs, I wouldn't be able to speak here now, this openly to people, but I actually, during lockdown, that gave me the time to go, right, I can't distract myself by keeping busy. I'm gonna have to deal with this, This, you know, I was having chest pain, I was having quite a lot of anxiety issues during lockdown, and not because we were locked down, but because I distract myself a lot of the time keeping busy. And that's partly, something that's one of my like, kind of I get toxic traits that I do have, which is just, I say yes to everything to try and like, distract from the brain because if i'm in my brain by myself i'm like oh my God, scary um but but then you know I, it had to be done and when we were all locked down it gave me that time to really think about what i wanted and how i wanted to go forward in my life and how i wanted to develop because i called myself out on so much like i always relied on other people's validation when i was younger always my existence was it was just if this person likes me i'm okay i'm validated but actually if I like me, I should be validated. And as cheesy as that sounds, during lockdown, we didn't have all these people around us to be like, oh my God, you look great, like da-da-da. Um, and yeah, I was able to really go, okay, what do I want from this life? How, how do I wanna go forward? As I said before, I didn't want these people to steal any more of my future, and they were. And I was still thinking about all the horrible things that the bullies were saying to me as well. So I'd look in the mirror and go, oh, I've got a hair in whatever. And I would repeat, be repeating what they were saying to me. And only during lockdown, I realized, hold on a minute, what am I doing? I wouldn't talk to someone else like this. Why am I talking to myself like this? And another part, of BPD's body dysmorphia. When I was a lot younger, I had an eating disorder. When I was 19, I had bulimia. And I think that was part of me trying to access control. After all the abuse I'd endured during school, I was like, I need to control something. <laughs> and I you know, I need to control something in my life because it was just chaos. And, you know, being away from home, being away, you know, at college, it's quite a difficult time when you're a young person, I believe. I mean, I know it's a very difficult time. And Again, like I said, mental health wasn't really in the forefront back then. It is now more so. But as you said, BPD and more complex mental health issues aren't. And one of my, one of my, I feel like one of my aims in life is to be someone who changed the, the, the narrative around these complex mental health issues and showed that you can do anything you want with these.
0: Another plus of lockdown for a lot of us, especially introverts, was masks. Elle's relationship with masks, however, allowed her to feel her own validation without the need for makeup or other people's input, which brought her to her next big idea on breaking stigma.
2: I entered Miss GB, the first time I entered was 2019, just before lockdown, but I didn't give them my true self. And I went there, I was empowered as hell because there was so many cool women there, there were so many different stories, there were so many different people there. But for me, I didn't give them my true self, I didn't give them Elle, I kind of like, you know, again, makeup, I've got no issue with makeup at all. It's an artistry. It's an it's an amazing artistry that people use to express themselves like music. But for me personally, I was using makeup to hide behind something. And then during lockdown, I realized I don't need that. I don't need this in my life. Like I can go out and I think masks did help, you know, and it was kind of like, you know what, I don't need the makeup. I don't need it. I don't need it to feel validated. I don't need to create all these different looks so people like me or people validate me and go, oh, you look great. Everyone, we're all human, everyone loves a compliment, but I feel like I was taking it too far and almost like literally my existence relied on these people, Um, whether it be toxic relationships, toxic friendships, uh, people that I probably wouldn't give my time to now. (laughs) I was giving them my time and they were taking my energy and it was just a a bit of a mess, to be honest. And then during lockdown, I realized I needed to make some changes. And 2021, I entered Miss GB again after not feeling like I'd done my best and I entered without any makeup on because it was all part of this journey that I was on. And I thought, you know what, there's going to be other people, especially women out there that are going to feel this message and understand it, because I do feel there's a lot of pressure on women to conform, to look a certain way. Society has a lot to answer to, especially to women and especially how to how we are treated. And I just wanted to go out there and go, you know what? This is my choice as a woman. I have the right to choose what I want to do with my body. Where can I go and take this? Oh, I know, a really controversial platform like Miss Break Britain, which will <laughs> really be hard. Like I've, the question I always get is, but why did you choose a beauty contest when you're talking about looks? Exactly why? Because it's talked about, it's controversial, it's different. And as a musician, if I stood on stage and went, I'm not wearing any makeup right now singing, no one would, one, probably notice, two, they'd be like, What is she she on about? So it was a a stance that I knew would be heard and makeup was the symbol of that stance. And the the pageant was my platform, my stage, and my microphone to say, you know what, listen up. As women, we deserve better, we deserve a choice. I should be able to go out wearing what I want, when I want. And I shouldn't have to feel scared that someone's gonna come after me. I shouldn't have to feel scared that someone's gonna uh, like shout at me for my appearance or shout across the street. We should be able to be any way, any size, any, Anything we want to be and no one should have the right to comment on our appearance this is our choice to be what we want to be whether you know whether that's wearing makeup not wearing makeup there's my cat um whether that's (laughs) whether, whether that's wearing a low cut top or a hoodie or whatever that is and that was the message so i think it did i think i did what i needed to do because we're still talking about it now to this year after last year so you know, it was it was an amazing experience, I have to say, you know, standing on that stage, just feeling like I've just made history, but I've not just done it for me, I've done it for everyone who feels like this. And part of it was there might be a kid in school like I was once who's going to listen to me talking about my story and go, you know what, I am good enough, and these bullies, they're not going to be here for the rest of my life. And I don't think we realise how much bullying affects us in later life. Like, like I said, I was repeating the stuff that these people who I do not know anymore and I don't speak to and I don't see... They were, they were in my head and it took a lockdown, a pandemic for me to realize it because we're so engrossed in our own lives and, and fair enough, you know everyone's got struggles, everyone's got their own lives. but I think sometimes we forget the little things that have got us to this point and we forget the questions that we should be asking ourselves to call ourselves out and especially with mental health being a massive topic at the moment. everyone has mental health, like everyone has physical health and I think everyone knows someone who's experienced mental health issues or has has experienced them themselves. And I just think it's, it's our duty of care for the next generation to be this open and honest about it, because they're going to be the ones that are going to carry the flag for us when we're six feet. And if we don't tell them that, you know what, it's okay to literally just be who you are and be yourself and express that uniqueness, enjoy who you are, because no one's telling us to do that, you know, cosmetics and things like that. Yeah, they're great, but they're profiting from our insecurities like they're profiting from the things that they're telling us that we should not like about ourselves can you imagine a world where we don't have that and everyone like is just okay with themselves these businesses would go out of business there would just be no max factor like bobby brown all of that you know and like i said some of these looks that they create are insane and they're amazing however at what cost we've got young people looking at filters we've got young people online looking at all these beautiful people who don't even look like that in real life, and they're being told, this is what you should look like, this is a filter, you can look like her, and no one's
1: ever saying, you know what, you're good enough as you are. When Elle begins to share about being made fun of for her looks, it resonated with me because looking different with something as seemingly small as having hairy arms or hair on your face is a battle that I also faced in school. My hopes are the same, that we can get to a place that we celebrate who we are as we are, and that others accept and appreciate the differences.
2: Young boys are victimizing young girls for not looking a certain way. And I had it in school with with my bullying, and oh, she's got hairy arms, she's got this. And what? That's my body. My hair is beautiful wherever it is on my body, and it's my choice if I want it there or not. And I actually remember when I was in school, I would shave my arms. I would would shave here, because I wasn't, no one told me otherwise, you know? Um, I would shave. I would just try and shave everything. And not because I wanted to, but because I felt like I had to, to fit in. And it was sad because I didn't do it properly. And the hair, like, I'm really lucky that my eyebrows grew back because I plucked them so thin and I would wear foundation that was a bit lighter than my own skin, to tr- again, to try and fit in and blend in and be invisible. Because growing up, being a young person is hard enough. There's all these changes, there's puberty, there's so much going on. But then if you're a young person who doesn't fit in, then do you know what I mean? Like. Where's your place? Where's your place in the world? And it's so scary.
0: Elle's time of reflection on her childhood shed a whole new light on her healing process. One where she seeks out and speaks to little Elle. But she doesn't stop there. She brings that love and what she needed as a child to future generations.
2: Me and my inner child, we need to have a sit down because we're always at war. (laughs) There's a 32 year old woman who's just got her stuff together, who's working full time, who's just, Yeah, she's owning it. But then there's this scared little child that's still holding me back going, that's unsafe, I can't do that, oh my God. And because of BPD as well, sometimes I do feel like I'm split in half and I've got one person who's really traumatized, really scared of everything, doesn't wanna move and get out of bed and do stuff. And I've got this other really proactive like boss woman who's like, right, let's do this. And because at the moment they're not in unison, and I think this is part of my trauma therapy where I'm gonna learn how to deal with these feelings they're not in unison, sometimes it's very difficult to navigate, especially as someone with BPD, because I'm, I have a lot of black and white thinking, if you think like autism, BPD and autism, were very close together in the spectrum. Um, and I think somebody or somebody said to me once, oh, I think you've got high functioning autism. And I was like, don't diagnose me. I know what I have. Like, And even <laughs> if I did, you know what, that's fine. You know, whatever, whatever I've got, it's, it's me, you know, and that's it. I'm accepting it as me. And yeah, I just think that <laughs> when I get to that point where I'm like, I can accept what's happened to me and I can put that child in the playground and she can just play. Cause right now she's like scared and she's ready for danger. Like, you know, and it, it is scary, but I know with this therapy that I'm doing and with the conversations I'm having and all this openness, I am going go to go to the other side. I am going to get there, Yeah. but it is a journey and I am really grateful. Like I'm not saying that everything that happened to me was great, but, I wouldn't be sat here today helping other people, being who I am, being this person, if it didn't happen. So instead of looking at the negative, I always really try to look at the positive that's come out of stuff. And like you said, this is part of helping other people, but it's also part of my own healing journey. And it's yeah. also, when I was on that stage during the no makeup st- stance, I was like, this is for me as well, for that kid. Like. Yeah she's somewhere right now like beaming with pride being like you did not win bullies look at me now look at me on this stage like i am owning it i have a national title which is amazing and these people didn't win and these kids that are in school now and and young women young men they're looking at me going this is a person that i could like aspire to be i'm a realistic goal for somebody because i am just a person who's been through a lot of stuff trying to make a difference and That's literally me in a nutshell. Um, And I I do wanna help other people. Uh, Part of my role, I work full time as a mental health worker as well. So with lived experience and yeah, so I'm I'm helping people every day, which is awesome.
1: (laughs) Not only is Elle helping people, she has started a movement. This year, Melissa Ralph competed makeup free in the Miss England competition. With everything Elle does, her hope is to inspire other women to keep moving the needle forward. Queen. yeah so she's just competed yesterday oh and wow. yeah so so when I saw
2: so I saw the story what was it um in August and I was like I have to reach out to this girl this is awesome and she messaged me back and she was like I saw your story the year before and that was part of the reason I did it because I was like someone else has done it this is great and this is exactly one of the reasons I did what I did was to inspire the next generation she's only 20 she's young and she's you know I see it like a relay race. We're there with the baton and all women, we're we're there together racing this race and fighting this fight. And we are all on one team. And, you know, it's just, there is space for everyone to do what they want to do. And I just think it's awesome that other people are now starting to use these pageants and use these platforms as somewhere where they can go, this is my story, this is my truth, listen up. You know, she's helped a lot of people. She's gone out and done an amazing thing. And I'm all for it, I'm here for it. You know, (laughs) it's amazing. Like. Unfortunately, she didn't win yesterday, but she got into the top five and she has made a difference. There's gonna be one person that she's helped and that's enough. And I've said that to yes. her that an experience at the end of the day, it's not about winning a crown. Your win is helping those people that need it. And mm-hmm. as I said to, about my own stuff is that I wanna be that person I needed when I was a kid. I want I want some kid to go, you know what? It's, I'm good, I'm good, I'm all good. This ain't gonna last forever. This bullying, this thing I'm going through, this person got through it, so can I that for me is a win, that for me is a crown on my head. And that crown doesn't go, you know, it doesn't end, it doesn't expire in, in a year's time, you know, it continues. Um, but yeah, she's she's done really well. And um, I'm hoping that she continues her movement. I'm sure she will. And yeah, I'm hoping to hopefully collaborate with her on some stuff. And we're just going to keep that flame alight and hopefully yes. someone else, let, let's hope other people start using these platforms and using pageants and the beauty industry and go, you know what, this is a real, this is what a real woman looks like. And this is, you know, We're representing everyone here we're not representing just one person or one race or one class of women we're representing anyone and everyone who needs to hear that message and that's why it's such a powerful thing and that's why we're still talking about it now this year
1: (laughs) i think it's so important because it helps people who are younger see the light at the end of the tunnel it's this it's when you see someone who has who has gone through what you're going through and they're on the other side of it No matter what the situation, it could even be, you know, your mental health, that diagnosis could break somebody. They could be like, well, how could I possibly ever live with BPD, right? Or how could I be bullied and get through it? And so I think that's part of what's so amazing about your story Mm
0: -hmm. is that
1: you're showing the other side and that, you know, it'll be better there, you know, like if you can just push through, get through that, then there is so much hope on the other, on the other end.
2: But it's not it hasn't it was not always easy like when i was going through it like i said there was no one telling me like my mom was telling me but she was my mum. and when you're young and your mom says it you're like come on mum. right right <laughs> like, oh, right my mom, my mom was always like you're beautiful it's gonna be okay like you're gonna do amazing things and, and yeah like it was lovely to have a family that did encourage me and support me but that was my mum Like i was like of course she's gonna say that she's my mum i'm her little darling my little egg of course she's gonna say that but then when you realize actually that what your mum any teenagers listening your parents are right trust me when they say that like they are right when they say stuff they know they're like psychics my mum always (laughs) told me that like it's gonna be fine but like i said there wasn't a role model who was young not younger but not a family member who was saying to me it's okay and i think that like you said, representation, it's so important for these young people, especially to see the other side where, yeah, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. I've had some horrible times, but I'm on the other side. I'm going through them. I'm fighting my demons. And part of my recovery journey is helping other people fight theirs because I know what it's like to be by yourself, isolated, especially at school. That was hard when no one, you know, I was ostracized because of my quirks and because of how, weird I was um but actually if en- if anyone's listening the weird kids are normally the cool ones when we grow older yes. because being quirky <laughs> you know nerds. Yeah. being quirky is kind of like when you're an adult it kind of gets you through better because you have to learn like one of the things I realized is a lot of the popular kids they you know I'm not I'm not going to use this platform to, to diss them but they maybe didn't learn people skills at a very young age like we did because we had to survive we had to learn how to talk to people because we we had a, it was part of a survival skill. Like they didn't have that. And actually, I'm grateful for, I'm not grateful for the bullying I went through, but it gave me some tough skin. So when I did this Miss GB stance and I had people messaging me being quite nasty, I was like, you know what? <laughs> been through this before. I've been training for this all my life. Like, well, you? you know, so it was great because it was similar things. Like, oh, your eyebrows, your hair, like all this. And I was like, been there, done that block <laughs> so, yes you know, and it was almost like maybe if I wasn't I hadn't gone through that as a kid I probably wouldn't have been able to deal with that now I'd be like oh my god like what is this it's gonna do I would have probably stopped doing what I was doing but actually I was like my arm is so thick like yeah I'm, I'm a human of course it, things affect me like I can't lie but when it comes to that sort of thing I always look at the person that's doing the bullying and I'm thinking you know what you're mirroring your insecurities on me y- the issue is you and your inner self not me and that's literally the bottom line and my mum always said that again i never believed her but now (laughs) i see it you know and i think what's really important is early intervention for the bullied but also for the bullies because there's a lot there to unpack and i do think we should uh, touch upon that that people that are being bullied there might be a reason and i'm not making excuses for them but i'm just saying there's probably a reason why they're getting bullied and i think schools especially need that early intervention to support everybody not just the people getting bullied but also to sit down with the bullies and try and help them because a lot of the time there might be abuse at home there might be something going on with them mentally like nobody knows and if these people get away with something for so long they're going to get worse and more dangerous and more it's going to manifest into something else but at a young age if people are being spoken to and supported these bullies are probably crying out for help as well but they're just doing it in a really strange way because that's all they know Maybe they see it at home like that so I do think there is, you have, you know, there's two sides to a coin. And I do think that going forward for the next generation, there does need to be that invest- investigation into stuff, hundred percent for everybody, because if yeah. there isn't, it's just, we're still gonna be here hundred years later. Like someone else is gonna be having this conversation. And I'm hoping that this generation now is the one that goes, stop, <laughs> enough. Mm-hmm. Let's try and make it better for other people. Cause that's what it's about. We leave the legacy that yeah. we are. You know, when somebody goes to the next life or passes away, you're not going to be like, oh, they had this many likes, they wore this outfit, they look like this. (laughs) You're going to remember what they did in this world. And hopefully I'm going to hopefully be one of those people that made those changes and was remembered for that, which is partly another reason why I thought I'm just going to put my anxiety down and do this no makeup stance because it is about leaving something behind so other people can pick it up, take it with them and run with it.
0: Elle takes the sentiment beyond just physical appearance. She uses it to empower people to learn and better understand their diagnosis instead of being scared of it.
2: So for me, personally, I was curious more than anything. Like, I like to dissect everything anyway. Uh, Not literally, (laughs) Um, but like mentally, (laughs) just so you know. Um, So when it happened, I was like, what is BPD? And I didn't know what it was. I was like, BPD. And I, I... Borderline personality disorder sounds like something's really wrong. It sounds horrible, it sounds like a horrible thing. It's like disorder, you're broken. And I did what I normally do and I researched the hell out of it. I educated myself because I was like, I have this thing, I can't, it's out of my control. And that's another thing that for someone like BPD, it's really scary for something to be out of your control. But actually I used that to my advantage and went, right, what can I control? What can I support? How can I support myself? How can I help my friends and my partner understand me? Because At the end of the day, that was, for me, the most important was to understand it. Because when they, the specialist said, you've got borderline personality disorder. And at first I was like, why is that? I've never heard of it. Because again, it's so unknown really in in the grand, people know anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar. And I was like, what is that? And he sort of explained it to me. And he was like, here's some, I was really lucky actually. He was like, here's some books, research on proper websites. Don't just randomly Google stuff or TikTok. Because when, like I said, BPD, there are some toxic traits when it comes to BPD. And I think sometimes people online might exploit that. And if you've got a TikTok person who's had a bad experience with one person with BPD, they might sit there and like literally put us all in a box. And then if you've got somebody who's just been diagnosed, they're going to be like, oh my God. Like yeah. a lot of young people who are coming through where I work, they're like, I'm really scared. I've got this diagnosis. And it's like, it's not scary, but I get why you're scared because it's something new and there's not much talk about it. You know, it's. It is very difficult to navigate. I, you know, I can appreciate that for people that are newly diagnosed, it's difficult. Um, Moving forward from that, I started educating, again, my friends and partner straight away afterwards. And then I decided to join some groups to get more further like psychoeducation into it. Because for me, that was important to learn and to learn my triggers and to learn what is this BPD. But actually it all really made sense. Once I read into it, I was like, oh, that's mine. And for me personally, it made me feel less of a weirdo like i was like all my life i thought i was the only person that thought like that and acted like that but then i realized i'm not and i have to say that really set me free because it's so hard when you've got like anything like mental health or physical health and you are you feel so isolated in that moment because you don't feel like you know there's that whole set you know other people have it too i hate that saying but it did actually help me in this situation because it's like yeah there are other people out there who can help me and support me and i go to support groups each week actually to Uh, they're like peer-led support groups and that really helps me because if I've had a bad day and I need someone to explain something to me in a certain way someone in that group might have gone through similar and they can be like well this is what I would do and it's great because you can talk to other people that get it and I think that's really important if you are newly diagnosed look for support groups look for things like that because believe it or not you will feel less isolated because all my life before I felt so weird I just felt like a freak I just felt horrible like I felt like a bad person, I felt like, why am I feeling these feelings of like intense emotions? But then I realized there's other people out there and I was like, okay, it's okay, Like I'm not on my own. And I think that is, again, the most important is inclusion and feeling included when you have something like this because there is that isolation that comes with it. Because I, I still do it now, I still sometimes isolate myself from people because it's scary to feel these feelings sometimes. and. It's, you don't wanna open up, you don't wanna reach out. I know there's a lot about reaching out and mental health, but it's so hard to do that sometimes when you're in that moment and you're like, what am I supposed to do? Where do I, you know, but there, there is support out there. And I have to say, I've, I've been very lucky with the support that I have had, but sometimes it is having to look for it yourself. And that is really hard. I get that. And not everyone's gonna do things like I do, fair enough. If, he, if you have some support or someone that can support you to do it, I strongly recommend if you are someone like me, research it look into it because that will make you feel less isolated and like before i had my blinkers on like this and once i realized other people had it as well i was like okay it's fine i'm gonna be okay but yeah i've i know a lot of people who have had a diagnosis and they're really scared and that that's okay as well that's a valid like way to feel because it is a scary thing and i don't know if there is a cure fully to it i probably will be like this forever but it, this is who I. this is me this is who i am and <laughs> You know, do you know what I mean? Like, Learn how to navigate it, learn how to manage it, learn how to live with it and live with it amicably because,
1: yeah, this is the life I have. While navigating BPD is difficult, Elle finds the light on what could be a dark path.
2: I always think that if I had didn't have BPD, would I be so passionate? Would I be so creative? Probably not, so there are positives to it as well. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, a, I'm like a big child. Like, I get so excited about everything. And that's part of it, the strong emotion. Yes, there's some horrible, depressing emotions that come with it. But then you've got these like, almost childlike elation moments where you're just like, oh my God, like this has happened or whatever. And those are the moments I live for because they do a lot of the time, now that that I'm a bit older, they do outweigh the bad. And BPD does get better with age. I have found that as I've gotten older, I've been able to manage my mental health better because I'm more self-aware. And that sometimes can be a curse because I am so self-aware. It's like, I know what's going on. It's almost like watching someone else in your situation and you're like, why, you know, but yeah, um, it is what it is. And I've just got to keep going forward, haven't I? And yeah, there's going to be days where I'm like, but that's why I've got a nice comfy bed and we can just hide and come out when I need to. (laughs) I think that's important as well. Like to have those days where you need those mental health days. Like I work from home, thank goodness, uh, since lockdown and, if I feel like I can't function, I just let my manager know and I'm able to just work quietly, you know, in bed or in a quiet room. And I think that's kind of changed the way we do work, the, the working from home, because it's shown people with mental health issues as well, especially it's made us shy. It's brought us out like we, a lot of people function better like that and where an office environment for me wasn't, I couldn't really do it because it reminded me of school, kind of. Now I'm in an environment where I feel safe and I'm thriving in my job. Like I can do it so well now. And again, pandemic was hard for a lot of people, but for me personally, it was like what I needed to like go forward.
1: We just had an interview yesterday uh, with someone who very similar was talking about working from home and how their manager is very like the same thing. That if you're have if you're having a moment, take the moment and and yeah. you know take a rest and call it because then you put your best work forward when that's you're feeling it. better. Yeah. Um, but that's amazing. It sounds to me like you did a lot of research, uh, a lot of knowledge. I think knowledge, uh-huh. and then you sharing your story. Sarah and I talk about how like sharing our stories, which is why we have the podcast not only heals us but it heals others and it's just this like what like nice circle of like healing and, yeah. because um the more you say it the less scary it is and so you know talking about it connecting with others those sort of things that you're doing is such an amazing way to manage or live with or thrive with
0: you know your diagnosis
2: thank
0: you yeah and i think that you know it's so important what you're doing too because you mentioned earlier Amber Heard and Jeffrey Dahmer and I think people latch onto those things and they're like oh well if that's what they have then that's what this person is like and you're proving and showing right now that it's not like that and I think it's so important for people to know that a mental illness diagnosis does not create monsters. Mm
2: -hmm, Absolutely it's a bit like bullies in school isn't it when they don't understand something they ridicule it it's a bit like Jeffrey Dahmer like people are like oh he has BPD and you know, I've had people come to me and go, oh, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer had BPD and I'm just like, so, right. But it's that lack of education and understanding. And I think schools especially need to teach people just to ask questions. It's a bit like with anything, like with BPD or all or, or these, these things, these stories out in the media, ask the questions. Pe- most people who are suffering with these mental health issues will be more than happy to answer them for you because they're helping you understand it. And like you said, in turn, it's sharing that energy round and getting something from it. Um, I think there's, we do have a lot of work to do, I think, as, as a society, but I do think we, bet, we are definitely better now than where, when I was maybe like a teenager, but we still have some some time to go. And I do think the media has a lot to answer for. I think they're one of the main reasons that, you know, anywhere in the world, I think anywhere in the world, the media really does have a lot to answer for because they're one of the main reasons we have all these problems and, and stuff and all these rumours and nobody knows Oh, half of these celebrities what they really are like or what they are actually do and one story comes out or a rumour comes out and then their life is ruined and it's just it's really bad. Definitely we need to
0: change that. Oh my goodness. So you have shared so many wonderful, beautiful things and to have a lie down after all that. <laughs> I know, right? You have that's gotta be a little emotionally
2: exhausting. <laughs> oh honestly, like I knack people out all the time. No, thank you as well for your for your time and your support and everything that you're doing in the community that you're in. It's yeah, it's cool that, that you're on the other side of the world and we're kind of fighting, again, fighting the same fight and yes, wanting yes. to
1: change things. So,
2: yeah, kudos to you. And long may this podcast live and carry on doing what you do. Thank you. Thank, thank you again. Thank you. For- and
1: then uh, when we go visit the pub from the holiday, we'll yeah. we'll call you up so you can come have a drink with us. Yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah,
2: exactly. Before, yeah, before the podcast started, everyone, we were talking about the holiday. And I live about, about 15 minutes from this pub the one that Cameron oh, Diaz yeah. went to. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, so cozy. Nice. Yes, it is like that inside as well.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing you. your story, being so honest and authentic and
0: just so helpful to everyone who's listening. Yes, and thank you for all you're doing and for standing up for little L and for <laughs> adult L and then for little girls and um, women everywhere. What thank you're you. doing is very important keep on trucking and we're so thankful that you ha- talk to us today thank you so much for your time thank you this episode was brought to you by Amy Baumgartner and Sarah Simone the theme song and our other music is provided by epidemic sound this episode was mixed mastered and produced by Sarah Simone to help us keep making episodes just like this consider supporting us on patreon.com/ unqualified therapist sync if you have a story to share, Email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com or reach out to us on our website, www.unqualifiedtherapists.com. Until next time, Warrior, hold on. We're going to make it.